This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. You guys in the past talk about it's a good trip. It's a fun one. I mean, a couple nice cities, a couple days off, so the team will get to, to hang out with one another and kind of use it as a bonding trip. Kind of like a once-a-year thing, usually, if you're on the East Coast team, so... I mean, they're always fun trips, you know, they're nice cities over there, so usually we just get in, go for dinner, and then game the next day. I would say we've had success probably in the last half of my tenure. The early part, though, was uh, it was tough sledding out there when they were just uh, San Jose and L.A. was winning cups and Anaheim was big. and They were just big, strong teams, so it was tough sledding out there. You know, the teams are in transition now and they've gotten younger but they're on their way up and so it's been the tale of I guess two halves of a decade for us but hopefully we can uh, continue our streak out there. Let's hope so. You know I'm picking up the slack for Greg at the start of the show. He picked up the slack for me yesterday because I had to get on an airplane. Dave Mishkin coming to you guys from my hotel room in Los Angeles. We're a couple hours away from the lightning hitting the ice at crypto.com is it arena steve do you know i know it's crypto.com i think it is how could they change the name from the staples center the staples center i know it was a sponsored arena but that is an iconic name everyone knew what you were talking about when you said the staples center now crypto.com arena do people know that that is the building formerly referred to as the staples center i would guess most people don't yeah well i just told you it's right across the street from our hotel so it's no problem getting there but we are on pacific coast time so it's nine o'clock here in la and greg will be joining us momentarily he had his hands full with another responsibility but he will be here before the hour is up of that i am certain and i think he may have just arrived but picking up on what john cooper was saying We touched on this yesterday, that the trip to California was like a murderer's row for several years. Not only were the Kings, Ducks, and Sharks really good teams, and teams that all three of them could make a claim that they might win the Stanley Cup in any one of those years, and the Kings did it twice. The Sharks got to a final, and the Ducks went deep in the playoffs, deep, deep in the playoffs, several years during that time frame but as Coop mentioned they were big strong teams so you came out of a game against LA Anaheim or San Jose knowing you had just been in a really tough game and you felt it and then you had two more games on the trip there were a lot of times teams came out to California and came home with zero points now that has changed and Coop said that you know these three teams are in transition I think that's putting it in a very positive light because of the three the kings are the only team in recent years to have made the playoffs they did it last year and well put, putting it it in a positive light saying they're in transition that's true whether they are on the upswing or not greg i'll bring you in the conversation now i think remains to be seen i mean the kings made the playoffs last year they did it with couple of different areas in which they improve they do have some young players although they still have quick and dowdy and kopitar certainly kind of the the three leaders if you will goaltender defenseman and forward but they held their shots against way down they were among the league leaders in shot suppression and their and their goals against went down usually if one goes down the other goes down too especially if you have a, a goalie like jonathan quick they didn't score a lot last year And they're trying to address that this year, and they already have a game when they've scored seven in winning a road game in Minnesota. So the question is, can they kind of continue to take a step forward? Can they score a little bit more and keep their goals against down? But one year does not really make a trend. So let's see if they can make the playoffs again. And I don't know about the Ducks and Sharks. I mean, maybe they'll continue to go on the upswing if that's that's the way that, that teams are looking at it. Maybe not, but the Lightning can't worry about the other teams. They have to worry about their own game, and it starts tonight at least of the three California teams. The Kings are the team, I think, regarded as being farthest along in terms of a rebuild or a retool or younger players coming in and making an impact. That's the first opponent the Lightning have out in California. 
Well, you know, it's interesting. We talk about teams that have to change their identity over the last few years. And I think the Western Conference, a lot of people, and I don't think it's the case now, Dave, but I, I think a lot of people, when the Kings were winning some cups, even to a lesser extent when Corey Perry was, you know, with the Ducks, I think it was perceived as being a heavier brand of style and, you know, mm -hmm. the East was more skill and speed. And I think you saw over the last couple of years a change with some of those teams, maybe all of those teams in the Western Conference, with how they've approached building your roster. And it doesn't mean you have to go away from being physical or getting guys who fit a certain mold. But a lot of these teams do have some pretty good young players and I think it is a change. We talk about the league as a copycat league. I think the Lightning, I think the Blackhawks, I think the Penguins, those teams that had a lot of speed and skill, obviously grit, but speed and skill is something we're seeing not only in the Eastern Conference, but also trying to emulate that in the Western Conference. And I don't think the teams that we're going to see coming up on this this road trip are any different. How good they are, remains to be seen. It always comes down to, are you going to hit on some of these draft picks to expedite the process of you being competitive or not? It's one thing to sit there and say, we want to go, we want to get faster and quicker. One thing the Lightning have been able to do is identify those players and hit on them, which has allowed their window to be a little more wide open than some of these other teams, like let's say the Kings, who had a run. But I think it's fair to say the last couple of years, it's been it hasn't been great for them for various reasons. So I think it is interesting to see that change, where these rosters are. I think the, the league in general is faster. I think it is more skilled. I think that carries over not only to the Eastern Conference, but to the Western Conference. And while I don't think those teams right now who Tampa Bay is going to face on this road trip are on their playing field, I do think they're trying to get to that point, and they're using it in a way where maybe five, six, seven years ago, that style of play wasn't at the forefront for them. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it can happen with your style of play, and maybe your style of play becomes out of vogue. Like, if you are a strong, physical, heavy team, but the rest of the league has has gotten quicker to the point that you're aging players can't impose their will on the quicker opponents because there were quick teams when the Kings were dominant, right? It's just that they imposed their will. Did we lose Dave? I think we did. We might have. That hotel Wi-Fi. <laughs> you know, Steve, I was going to say it was Barry Trotz. I wonder if Barry Trotz is listening to the show. I can't blame him from where he is right now, not coaching. But, you know, sometimes when you're in that, that hotel Wi-Fi, you're going to have some problems. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll see if we can get Dave back at Bolts Radio. Hit us up on Twitter, and uh, we'll, we'll get your comments on the air. You know, I don't know what to expect on this road trip because I know a, a lot of times when you're going against teams that I don't want to say are in a rebuilding mode, but certainly they have revamped their roster from what it was a couple of years ago. What are the expectations? I don't think it's a coincidence. Let me say this, and I want to hear what our audience has to say. I really don't think it's a coincidence that the Lightning played a lot better the last two games based off of the two opponents they faced. The Panthers and the Islanders, when you take a look at how good they are, and I think we have Dave back, when you take a look at those two teams specifically, I think the Lightning knew they had to play better. And again, I'm going to tie this into the trip coming up here on the West Coast, partner, as we have Dave Mishkin back. For now. Sorry. <laughs> Let's see if the hotel Wi-Fi. I said it might have been Barry Trotz, but we never know. You I never don't know. know. They didn't like they didn't like us showing showing our uh, our disapproval of maybe the California teams and yeah. throwing some shade at them. Listen, we don't get a chance to see them often, so we just have to go off of what we do see and what we read. But what I was saying, Dave, I, I think a big reason for me why the Lightning played as well as they did against Florida and the Islanders. And when I say as well as they did, they played better enough to win back to back games. I think it was because of the opponent. And 
the rivalry between those two teams. Now, Panthers, I think, is a given. I think it's easy to get up for a game like that, whether you're struggling, whether you're not, whether it's in December, whether it's in January, or whether it's the fifth game of the season. The Florida Panthers, at this point, Dave, that is a rivalry, not only geographically, but because of how good those teams have been the last couple of years in meeting in the playoffs. But I also think with the Islanders, you can make the same argument. I know it's not the same division, but these teams have met in the playoffs before. And while there's been a little bit of turnover for both teams, there is a history there. I think it's easier emotionally to get up for games like that. I think that's human nature. That's why I said I'm interested to see what this team looks like, meaning the Lightning, on this West Coast trip. I think these trips are always a challenge, not only because of the travel, but you don't see these teams often. And in some ways, you can see teams going through the motions because it's just typically, you know, teams will say, well, it's it's another conference, so you want to win these games. But if you don't, it, it it's not a killer in terms of the overall standing. Certainly, you want to get those points. What I'm saying is I think it's easier for what the Lightning experience Friday and Saturday emotionally to get up for these games mm-hmm. compared to what we're going to see coming up. And if the Lightning can find a way to get themselves ready, there's an opportunity to munch some points here on this road trip based off of the other team's records. But, partners, we know that's not a given. And I'm just curious how how the Lightning are able to get up for the game starting tonight emotionally, because I do think that played a big role in how the Lightning were able to come away with four points on Friday and Saturday. Well, you'd hope they're up for it. Look, this opening month, the schedule told us it was going to be a grind for the Lightning. Two home games in the first nine. Now, they've cobbled themselves with a couple of wins back to back to a situation they've cobbled together a couple of wins so now they're back in a situation where they can actually come out of this nine game stretch above 500 I think that's motivation enough they understand where they were when things were were at one and three and how many teams were ahead of them in the Atlantic division which is to say every team every other team was ahead of them in the standings in the Atlantic division even though it was early we know you can lose ground very quickly, and then it becomes hard to make up ground. So, I mean, I guess maybe I look at it a little differently. I think they will be motivated to do well. The Kings are coming off a long road trip. They lost their first two at home, and they actually did pretty well on a five-game road trip. They went three and two, although they lost the last two. That first home game back after a long road trip can sometimes be tricky, although being out in LA, you know, the Kings are used to having long road trips and and having the first home game back. But I would expect both teams to to be on their toes tonight. I guess if we talk tomorrow, Greg, and we're saying the Lightning were flat, I guess I would be a little bit surprised. But again, as as I often say, I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know. I just think that they did all the hard work last weekend to get back to three and three. I think they want to continue building on that. I, I, I think and maybe they they, they feel some team confidence too now that they've had some success in terms of having a good result. I think I think you're right logically saying that. I mean, I, I think you you look at this team and you say, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a mature group. It's a team that should feel pretty good about themselves. They've talked about executing better. While they're not perfect, they certainly got a lot closer to that on Friday mm-hmm. and Saturday. But as we've seen before, Dave, in sports, and the Lightning are no exception. Sometimes you're just flat. Sometimes yeah. it does happen. Just because things are going well, you, you go out there and you lay an egg. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. If if they struggle a little bit, you know how many times have we had those conversations? I understand different circumstances, different teams, and probably at different points of the road trip. But Dave, how many times did we see you know the Lightning go take on Arizona? This Arizona just comes in and whacks them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Arizona... You want to talk about a team that's been really inferior over the last five, six years in a parity-driven league. It's been them. And they've done pretty well against the Lightning. I mean, they've had some crooked numbers put up on Tampa Bay. Again, understanding the circumstances. Some of that was with a backup goaltender. Some of it was because the last day of a really long road trip. Full disclosure, understand all of that. 
but nobody anticipated, well, I can't believe they lost 7-1. to one. It happens. 82-game season, you're going to have some clunkers. I hope that's not the case tonight. And, you know, if logic dictates, you'd say, all right, well, the Lightning are favored in all three of these games. They should come away with points in all of them. But as they say, as a wise man once said, that's why they play the game. <laughs> yeah. And I appreciate that. But I, I'm hoping I'm hoping for a good performance. I think the Lightning, it would it would serve them well, partner, to start to string some wins together. I think, if anything, just to get a little bit more separation from where they are right now, give them a little bit more breathing room. Because as we've said before, you do not want to get into a funk where you're around American Thanksgiving and you're you know out of the playoff picture. You're just kind of right around it. Not that we would be panicking if that were the case. But I, I just think you would feel better about yourselves. And I think the newer guys, hopefully at that point, are acclimated pretty well to their surroundings and would feel pretty good. But I think a real opportunity here for the Lightning. And again, I don't know how much you factor in another road trip, get a little more closer to your teammates, especially the newer guys. Yep. If you, if you believe in that bonding aspect of things when you do go on the road, because as we know, partner, the Lightning have been on the road a little bit here to start the season, and they're going to have a bunch of home games coming up, but they're not there yet. And I'm wondering if that would help in the development of where they want to be team-wise moving forward. Well, that's the advantage of, of playing a lot of road games early. You do have that time away from home to bond as a yeah. group. And on both of these long trips the Lightning have had in October, the one at the start of the year and this one, there's a back-to-back, -back, but also there are two days off with no game. One is a complete day off. The other is a practice day. And on this trip, it's coming on Thursday and Friday. So they play tonight. They play tomorrow against Anaheim. Thursday is a complete off day. And then Friday in Anaheim or Newport Beach where the team is staying. And Friday is a practice day. And then they'll, they'll head to San Jose after the practice and get there in the afternoon. So that is an opportunity for for the the team to to bond and really it's it's as much for the guys that are new either to the organization or new to the NHL and allow them to to feel part of a group. So that can be a benefit, but as we said at the start of the year, all that is fine and dandy if you can come out of this stretch in a decent standings position. If you come out of it 1 and 8, which they're not going to now, thankfully, then it doesn't really matter that you had a chance to bond on the road. You're one and eight, right? And like to your point, gain some separation. I'm not sure the Lightning are really going to gain separation from anyone in the East out of this trip. I think the best they can do is kind of keep pace. And again, it's really early. So forgive me for looking at the standings, but I'm just curious because I kind of feel like some teams that have missed the playoffs for more than just a year or two in the East they feel like they are ready to take a step forward and they've come out of the gates hungry and on their toes. So do you know the last place team in the Eastern Conference right now based on points, the New York Islanders? Right. They're two and four. So it's not like they're 0 and 6. You have a whole slew of teams with three wins, including the Lightning. So that's pretty bunched up. And you figure that it's not like four of these teams are going to go on a five-game losing streak in the next week and a half. Maybe they will, but my expectation is that the Lightning need to make a little bit of noise on this road trip so they can head into November kind of where they are, which is, you know, the the long-distance race starts. You don't necessarily need to be right at the front, but you, you don't want to be lagging either, right? You want to be in the pack. Right now the Lightning are in the pack, and hopefully they can stay in the pack. But I'm not sure that they're going to gain a lot of separation. You need to go three and zero on this road trip. Hey, it's fair. based on how some of these yeah. other teams are looking. Ottawa's won four in a row. You know, I, I wonder, partner. I'm, I'm curious for you. You mentioned you do look at the standings. Well, I did yeah. right now because I've no, kind of been aware that you're not really seeing. You know, like it's not like Buffalo started zero and five or or picking up Montreal started zero well, and no, five. They haven't. I'm curious on your part because I think. I'll speak for myself, and I'm not putting you in this in this boat. I'm actually asking you a question regarding has has looking at the standings for you changed over the years because of the parity in today's game in terms of looking at it 
earlier than you typically would? Well, this is really the first day I've looked at the standings. And I, I looked I, at I, it I, for, I, for that reason because you just brought up game separation. I just opened the standings. <laughs> yeah. So this is I basically have, the first time I'm looking you know, like 1 to 16 in the East. But I'll say this, Greg. Normally, I don't look at the standings because I kind of follow that 10 game metric. Like the right. Lightning, it's more like what pace are you keeping? And then everything yes. else will kind of fall into place. So if you can kind of hit your marks. And the Lightning are going to have to puzzle a little bit here to to get to 12 points through their first 10 games. It's doable. If they don't, then they're going to have some points to make up in subsequent 10-game segments. But 3-3 three and three puts them at least within striking distance of, of getting there. And even if they don't hit it, you know, hopefully they'll be close to it. So they, they will have less of a, a daunting challenge to make it up. But I think I'm, I'm curious because more so this year than in other years because we've talked about Detroit, we've talked about New Jersey, we've talked about Ottawa, three non-playoff teams for for a number of years. Where are they this year? We kind of feel like those three teams are going to improve. Have they? Well, early in the year, they're starting to get points. Buffalo has gotten off to a very good start this year. And Montreal, which I think a lot of people expected just based on the youth of their team – I think a lot of people projected that they would be near the bottom. They're not at the bottom. I mean, they're they're one of these three and three teams, but they're at 500. They are exactly in the same spot the Lightning are at right now. Now, by game 50, maybe things will look things will look a little bit different. But I think I opened it just because I was I was kind of curious where things stand as we approach, let's say, three weeks in. And nobody has really like sunk to the bottom of the ocean at this point, even though it was early. Had the Lightning not done what they did last weekend, they would be at the bottom. They would be last in the Eastern Conference. As it is, they won their two games, and so now they're kind of in the pack. But to answer your question, no, I don't normally look at the standings very closely. I think a lot of people would be surprised... If I tell them, I really don't look at the standings really at all. Now, listen, we're exposed to a lot of game notes and a lot of information that's put on our seat. And just the job we do, you're aware of things. I would be naive to say that. But I maybe it's because I know the Lightning are a really good team. (laughs) Maybe that's part of it. And maybe really the history of me following hockey, the teams that I have followed closely and covered, have typically been not only playoff teams, Stanley Cup contenders. So there was really never any serious doubt that they were going to miss the playoffs. So it never really was an angle. It was always, how do they have momentum heading into the playoffs? Or are they built for a playoff push? Yeah. And the Lightning are no exception. What did you think, though, in 16-17, which was the year the Lightning did miss the playoffs, and they were in deep trouble yeah. at the All-Star break? They, right. they, they had a tremendous finish. And just missed. But if you remember right. the middle part of that year, whatever you want to say, game 20 to like game 50, they did sink to the bottom of the ocean. And were you looking at the standings that year? Because yeah. I remember I wasn't, I wasn't. I was more thinking, I think this is where they need to finish. They can afford to lose like five more games. And that's probably about it. And then what did they finish? 26 and four in their last 30. So they lost six in regulation. And that sixth loss essentially cost them a playoff spot. I remember thinking about it that way, but I'm just curious if if you can remember five, six years ago to that season when they did miss under John Cooper, if you looked at the standings more once we got into kind of the middle part of the season. Yeah, it's a good point. Did I look at the standings? Your memory is a bit better than mine. My guess is I probably looked at it a bit more than I typically do, which means let's say I'm at 0% right now. At that time, it might have been 5 or 10 because it was just mm-hmm. maybe such a storyline. But I, even then, I never felt like I was worried the Lightning were going to make the playoffs until later in the year when mathematically it, it looked like it was going to be more of a struggle. And would they miss the playoffs by one point? Even in, in that The situation. Islanders technically finished ahead of them, and the Islanders also missed the playoffs. But had they gotten two more points, had okay. one of those regulation losses been a win, 
they would have made the playoffs. Yeah, so I think I think from that standpoint, mm, I'm going to say no. And again, it, it if if I were covering the Kings, if I were covering, let's say, the Sabres, or a team who's typically at the been at the bottom recently that that springs to the top, that probably becomes more of a storyline, not only for me as an individual talking about it, but if I'm a writer, you want to gin up some interest with your, mm-hmm. your readership. So you're probably sure. playing that up a bit more. I mean, how many times did Mike Harrington, as I use this example so often, would come into our radio booth talking about the Buffalo Sabres after 15 games in the middle of November saying, well, you know, this is a team that I like a lot, and they're, you know, 10-3-2, and two, and, you know, Lightning beat them up pretty good, and then all of a sudden they lose their next 15 to 20 games and they're out of the playoff picture. So I think, I think it's easier for people to feel good about a story when you've got a bottom dweller rising to the top early, and I think there's more panic, whatever adjective you want to use, that sets in when an elite team maybe gets off to a rocky start and i've seen it before yeah i remember the level of enthusiasm and and we're in a bubble so not like the toronto edmonton bubble but in our own bubble and in in kind of the the circle in which we travel right Although you talk to your neighbors a lot, so maybe you go outside your your bubble, you get a feel for... Are you saying I, I meet the people? I'm out there with the people, Dave. Well, I think my neighbors don't really pay that closely, <laughs> that close attention. They just don't to, want to bother to you, Dave. You have they a neighbor who is really invested in the lightning. You're like, uh, I Lucas, talked to my neighbor this Lucas, morning. Lucas, But I remember the 13-14 season, which was kind of the season for the lightning that, that Detroit hopes is this season for the Red Wings, or Buffalo hopes is this season for the Sabres, or... The Senators' hope is this season for for Ottawa. That was the year, though, the Lightning had missed the playoffs two years in a row. They had an influx of of younger talent that was relatively new to the NHL. Many of the players had had like a cup of coffee the year before, and they got off to a super quick start. And that was the year Stamkos broke his leg, yes. if you recall, in November. I do. I do remember that. In fact, I don't. I don't like to think about it, Dave. I think we lost him again. We lost Dave again. It's Barry <laughs> Trotz. He's got him. <laughs> he was telling a good story too. I'm curious how many of our fans do look at at the standings at this point. Because I don't, and that may shock some. I'll glance occasionally. Like I don't check every day. Do you see if Boston scores or if? Well, I mean, you know, if, if they you, win, I mean, you know, Boston got off to a good start this year, so you you will keep a little bit you of would. an eye on them. You know, you more would. like uh, you know, you look at the standings, you're like, okay, these teams are really good right now, and then for the next week or so, you're looking, you'll when you look at the scores, you'll go, okay, they won again, oh, they lost, that's good, but it's not like you know, actively looking at it every game. I wonder if you're more inclined to, and we have Dave back, you're more inclined yeah. to look at how individual players do than you are your team, because that's actually. Probably more of my yeah, focal point. I mean, we've right talked now. about we've talked about Stamkos. By the way, tomorrow's show I'll be in Anaheim, so hopefully this Wonderful. will this will be a one off. But my point about the thirteen fourteen Lightning, there was a lot of excitement at the start of that year for that very reason that the team had not been a playoff team for a couple yeah. of years, and you had Tyler Johnson, you had Andre Plot, you had Radko Gudas, you had Richard Ponick, you had some some guys that were coming up that you could be excited about not only those players and and Kalorn was he had been up the year before but but right. he was still a, a new player to the NHL and I think that that adds to the enthusiasm then you see the team winning Remember at the beginning of that year the Lightning had won I think one game in Detroit in their entire franchise history now they'd been in the other conference for much of that time but in 13-14, they, they moved into the same division. The Lightning won an overtime game early that year in Detroit. That might have actually been the, the day before the Stamkos injury or the or the Saturday before the Stamkos injury, which happened on a Monday. And that was a big, big deal. Beat the Red Wings in Detroit? Are you kidding me? Like, That's that was Datsuk, the feeling. Right, Datsuk, Zetterberg, oh, yeah. right? Lidstrom. And right. look, they uh, now we know that that Red Wings team in thirteen fourteen, like they were nearing the end of their run. I think Lidstrom had actually that was the first year that 
that he had retired. That was so like they what, were without him five or six years after they beat Pittsburgh, maybe a little later than that. Yeah, too. but they were still a, a playoff team, and playoff while they team. hadn't gone deep. Yeah, team. Like they'd given, they'd gone out. It had been a struggle to get them out in the playoffs. I remember the year before they took the Hawks to seven games, and the Hawks ended up winning the cup in 2013. So that's why I think those sorts of teams. You're you're right. You hit the nail on the head. Those sorts of teams get really excited when they get off to a good start because hey this is a lot more fun than what we've been we weren't supposed to be through. here <laughs> right yeah like yeah. we're used to seeing losses now we're right. seeing wins and we're beating good teams buffalo went out and beat calgary and edmonton i mean they swept the the western canadian trip vancouver has gotten off to a really bad start but i think most people would expect that calgary and edmonton are going to make the playoffs this year Yep. Buffalo went in and beat both of those teams in a back-to-back. That should get the Sabres and their fans pretty excited. Pretty fired up. Yeah. As we like to say. Hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio. I asked you the question, are you following the standings right now? And are you more inclined to follow what individual players are doing for the Lightning than the team? Uh, there's no right or wrong answer. I'm just curious as a fan. We gave you our opinions. At least I- I'm... Probably a little bit more stronger when it comes. To, I just I don't care early on because I think it's such a long season. I think you it's like anything. It's like a runner. I'm pacing myself. Yeah, I can't, I can't get too worked up with the Lightning starting the year. Whatever they started, you're checking your own mile split. I have not to. where everybody else is. I really do. And if yeah. and if I don't do that, you become erratic. I think in your analysis, and you guys listen to the show for level-headedness of of what's happening with this team and if if we can't if we're all hyperbolic at the same time well we're just yelling into the mic mm-hmm. it doesn't do us any good but you would agree greg at one and three going into sunrise i think you may have even said this prior to that game you wanted to see higher urgency from the yo game. for sure yeah so it's not I mean, like the standings don't matter or your no. record doesn't matter but it was more about just how they were playing and look it's it's yeah. not a coincidence their, their their standard wasn't great and they lost more games than they won early on and again very small sample size i have to reiterate that but i think when you take a look at the big picture there's no panicking involved when it comes to the Lightning. Matthew says, and I, I teased this yesterday, partner, it was at the end of the show, and I wanted to get your response in addition to what I had to say with, with what Matt was asking. He said, don't know if you talked about this yet, but how do you feel about the stuff that happened between Cooch and Kachuk? So... Somebody told me they didn't, they thought the slash on the partial breakaway was dirty. I'm not sure if I would go that far. Somebody said, could have broken Kucherov's arm. I mean, look, it was a slash. They they called the slash. Did he really swing down on the arm? He did, but I mean, he's also trying to prevent a breakaway in It's overtime. a desperation play yeah, in, I, in some way. Like, I understand that. And then when Kucherov went into the boards and basically, you know, turtled essentially it was clear Kachuk didn't like that he felt that Kucherov I'm guessing (laughs) he felt that Kucherov shouldn't have curled up on the ice so he gave him two cross checks I didn't really have a problem with the first one the problem I had was with the second one right and if you watch the replay he's getting him basically in the helmet or the neck and he he hits hard oh yeah that's what he does so well I mean with the stick yeah for sure yeah So the first one was not really much of anything. The second cross check, though, there could have been an injury sustained there. A hit to the head on a, on a player who's down on the ice. Now, nothing more came of it. And in fact, that second penalty got wiped out when Hedman came in. And really, would it have mattered? Right. Because there was like 420 left in overtime. So either Kachuk would have gotten a two minute minor or double minor had Hedman not come in. So the Lightning would have had a second power play, a longer right. opportunity to win the game. They won the game on the first power play. So in terms of like what penalties were called, the Lightning ended up cashing in and making Kachuk pay. I did happen to sometimes the Twitter noise is so loud that it seeps through to me because I don't really I don't really put my toe in the sewer as you are this what do you call Twitter? Cesspool 
Like, I don't really get into that very much, but sometimes, sometimes the cesspool kind of comes up to my front porch a little bit. And I saw some comments to the effect of, good for Kachuk. I don't care that we lost the game. Kudrov deserved it or something along those lines. And look, whether you like Kudrov or you don't like Kudrov, there is no reason to cross-check a defenseless player in the head the way he did. That is the one that crossed the line, not the slash to me and not the first cross-check. So that's how I saw it. I don't know you if know, you feel any differently. No, I... <laughs> such cliche and i hate to say it that's hockey we, we see that all the time and and in many ways it's true i, I want to take a different angle on this it may be a little bit of a outside the box thinking here and it's more of just what you're doing with the stick when a player's on the mm -hmm. ice if we're gonna have a rule in place where and i look i i know the league and you were there for for those meetings with Steve in New York about officiating, what's called any rule changes, getting a little bit more clarity if your helmet comes off right, and whether or not you've got to go right to the bench, depending on... And they did know. a section on supplemental discipline, too. Yeah, so, I and mean, that's that fair. didn't rise... The, the cross-check or the slash didn't rise to the level of supplemental discipline. Uh, here, here's where the league, and I think a lot of leagues do this, because they get so wrapped up in trying to protect everybody that in some ways you don't and you make it harder for the the athlete to know what's acceptable and what's not I, i've maintained a lot of times when you deal with physical sports i understand you want to player safety is a is a big concern although i find it interesting that it becomes more of a concern when there are lawsuits attached to how you've handled players previously when it comes to protecting them that's probably another topic but if you're going to have a rule in place, in theory, to protect the player when his helmet comes off and that at times he's got to leave the ice, how does it make any sense to allow a player to use his stick and cross-check a player while he's on the ice and it has no bearing on the play? In other words, Dave, I could tell you the play Kachuk, to Kuchar, the Kachuk had on Kucherov was a lot more dangerous than a player with his helmet that falls off in the defensive zone who's away from the puck. I'm not telling you there's no danger in either one of those. There is. It's live sports. You're dealing with elite athletes who are flying around the ice. Accidents are going to happen. What I'm telling you is, I think what Kachuk did compared to that rule where the helmet comes off the player is a lot more dangerous to player safety than the other one. But one may get called a little bit more than the other. But they're both there to protect the player. And if you're going to make a rule for one that's basically automatically you've got to go to the bench because we want to protect you, it probably should be a penalty every time you cross-check a player to the ice while he's lying there. It probably well, should be. It the probably should would, be. The league would answer you this way, Greg. If, you, if your helmet comes off and you don't pick it up and you don't go to the bench, it's a penalty. And... Kachuk got a penalty. The cross-check was called. Right. That was his extra two. Maybe they called it roughing. But basically, they they, call, they, gave, they weren't going to give him six, right? It was the cross-check to the head that was the second penalty that ended up getting negated when Hedman came in to engage Kachuk. Yes. So they would say, well, we did call a penalty on both. Maybe the, the additional question is, why is that not subject to supplemental discipline and that would be a question for the or why isn't it called every safety. single time? In other words, it's, well, it's almost think, like a direct rule. Yeah, but I think that is called frequently. Like you if think? you have a defenseless player on the ice and somebody cross checks him in the head, I think that's called. I don't. I don't think we see it very often. I'm talking about and, just a cross check in general. It doesn't well, have to be to the head. It was supposed. Okay, that that is not. You know what I mean? It's called. But it's not. But a, you made it, the point about the losing the helmet. They they don't want injuries to the head. That's the point of the helmet rule. And that and that is a cross check to the head for a player who is on the ice defenseless and not expecting it could also cause a head injury. That is why that I think does get called. The other part of this that I, that I think we should mention is while the Panthers probably don't care for Kucherov anyway and Kachuk has firmly inserted himself into the 
the middle of this rivalry as soon as he arrived, declaring loudly that the Lightning were now his least favorite team and he was he was coming to be a part of this rivalry. Sure, sure. The Panthers were not happy with the the Kucherov hit on Barkov. That See, much I thought is clear. that's I thought that's where that stemmed from with Kachuk. And, and it may have. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was more of a retaliation. Hey, like I, we didn't like what you did. You know? Maybe, but it still doesn't excuse cross-checking no. a defenseless no. player in the helmet. Well, of course not. Of course. And not. look, I had Braden Coburn on with me, and I'm going to defer to him. And and Kobe's, I don't think, like if he felt it was a dangerous hit, I think he would have said it. And maybe he, he even said this to me off the air. So I don't mind repeating it. I can't remember if he said it on the air or off the air. But to him, Barkov put himself in a vulnerable position there. Because A, he turned at the last second and B's hunched over. Right. This is coming from a player. So there have been Kucherov plays over the years that have crossed the line and he has had to pay for it. Think for about sure. that Columbus series. Columbus series, yeah. In absolutely. 2019. Comes to mind for sure. That one, that one did not rise to even a penalty a minor penalty and that's how the officials saw it the Panthers didn't see it that way and I understand why Barkov Barkov is their best player I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna step back from that statement I believe that I mean they have a lot of good players Barkov is their superstar and to see him get crumpled you know crushed into the boards and crumple on the ice and have to leave the ice for a while the Panthers are not going to be happy with that but it was not deemed a kit worthy of even a minor penalty. So if Matthew Kachuk is unhappy with the Kucherov hit, then yes, he can let Kucherov know that. But cross-checking a defenseless player in the neck or the helmet while he is down is dangerous and has way more intent than the Kucherov hit on Barkov. And it was penalized. So, I mean, was it Matt? Matt asked, what did I think or what did you think of the Kucherov-Kachuk play? That's what I thought. I thought the slash was a slash. That he was trying to prevent a goal. He got called. And and whether it was the Barkov hit or he just looked down, he's like, seriously, you're down on the ice? Like, you could see that he was annoyed, right? And he gave him a frustration cross-check kind of to the, the body. Fine. If he just let it go there... And maybe Hedman comes in anyway. Maybe Hedman gets a retaliatory he probably penalty, does. and it's an even up. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime it was the your extra best one. Hits, yeah, you go. Yeah, you know? it was the extra hit. That was yeah. the one that I thought crossed the line for Kachuk. But that's what he, he does, did. Though. Insert himself into the rivalry. <laughs> There's no question. <laughs> <laughs> Matt says, "Why didn't Kachuk leave the ice when his helmet fell off with a Perbix hit?" Just he curious. picked it up. He picked it up. Yeah, you can pick it up and put it back on. And as we as we noted, the chin strap does not need to be fastened. You just need to have the helmet back on your head. What was it's hard to attach a chin strap if you have your hockey gloves on, probably. That's a good point by you. What was the series? It was against the Islanders, right? Where Cooch cracked a rib? Was it Mayfield? Yeah, with Mayfield. That was a cross check. Now that was a cross check to the ribs, right? Yeah. And so there was a lot of because there was no was there a penalty on that? I don't think there was. Because we had talked about the suspension. He got a suspension. Yeah, he got a minor. I, well, maybe he, he did. didn't even get a minor penalty. I but out he of didn't. that, out of that, the league said we're having a crackdown on cross-checking. Well, and that's why I said to you, forget about the head. You see, you see where I am with the league. I feel like they're yeah. all over the place. Like if you're on the ground, especially on the ground. But you can say, Dave, you can say away from the play. If if you give me a cross-check to my ribs when I'm not looking, that's dangerous. I see, and it's a catch twenty two for me. Yeah. Because it's such a physical sport. I understand there are gonna be injuries. There are some things you can't police. I feel I actually feel like the league has gone ha, is down such a rabbit hole with what's accepted in their culture that it's gonna be really hard to make the game safer. What well, do you feel that you have seen this year? I'm not gonna talk about last year, because I think last year they called it really tightly at the beginning of the year and then the yeah. standard dropped although the league would disagree do you feel that you have seen cross checks not the kudrop play because that they did call a penalty whether they didn't call it right away right on the first one they waited for the second whatever that was a penalty have you seen separate from that like while play is going on cross checks that have gone uncalled already this year let's put it this way there's nothing that has caught my attention 
I don't know because I think Sergachev was called for cross-checking in a game this year, and and I can't remember. I confess, I can't remember which one, but he cross-checked a guy in front of the net, and they called the penalty. But see, cross-checking is so interesting because if you look at the league as a whole, cross-checking in front of the goaltender's net for so long was allowed. <laughs> yeah. And I, I even think now, while it was is more called more frequently than it was maybe even 10, 15, 20 years ago, Dave, I do still think there's inconsistencies. Because you can get a guy who gives you a jab three or four times in the back and, and the refs let it go, and then you get a guy who just delivers a pretty good cross-check and the player falls to the ice. I still think there are some inconsistencies there. That's the part that I, I think it's so ingrained in the hockey culture. It's kind of like fighting. Like, fighting shouldn't be allowed. From a practical standpoint, if you want to talk about player safety, fighting shouldn't be allowed. Mm-hmm. And and I don't care who you are. I don't care if you played 20 years or five games and that was your job. If the goal of the league is to protect players from hits to the head, fighting shouldn't be allowed. Because if it's not your fist going to your head, you're falling to the ice and potentially being hurt. So that's the part. I always come back to. We talk circle back. I don't understand sometimes what the league is trying to do. And there are so many exceptions to the rules when it comes to the NHL and player safety, Dave, that you can pick and choose one part, but then I can come back and say, okay, so if you're going to make a rule for that and it's to protect the player's head, why are you letting this happen? And I just think there are too many things that they have allowed over the years to get out of the culture of hockey. I don't know if it's right or wrong, to be honest with you. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if our league is better from that perspective today than it was 15, 20 years ago. I don't. I really don't. Because I see guys use their stick more often than not as a way to, I don't want to say hurt a player, but if that's how you wanted to describe it, you could. Right. I don't I don't see that getting out of the game completely. And so I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where the league is when it comes to some of these these calls. That's why I think when they have them, like the the helmet off and you've gotta potentially go to the bench, I think that's a really dumb rule. I think it's a really dumb rule. Because if that's to protect the player, then there's about five other things I think that are more important that you need to take out of the game. But it's not gonna be taken out of the game because it's part of the game. And I hope people understand the difference. And I know we kind of went down a rabbit hole a little bit there talking about uh, the question. That no, Matt but had it did it happen. Co- yeah, it happened on Friday. Yeah. So we hadn't had a show until yesterday. And yes, it was an a little bit weird to address it. Yeah, it was a little weird. So we we I, I wanted to address that question specifically with you on. But I think just in general, when we're watching the league, have I noticed more cross checks being called? Have I noticed more cross checks in general? Nothing's caught my eye. And I guess my expectations, I've always come back to this, are pretty low when things are called or not called in mm-hmm. the league because I think it's really hard for these officials year in and year out to change that culture when it comes to what's been acceptable for so long in the National Hockey League, which is why I think it's easier to call a lot of penalties early on. There's less pressure. Yeah. There's less pr- There's le- There is because... The other the team that's affected by that, if they lose by a, a questionable call, theoretically, that's going to be a bit more impactful if they lose in February or March than right. a game in September. Or in the playoffs. Or to, yeah, correct. Yeah. And so I think that's I think that's how the league honestly, if I were the league, that's probably what I would do. And I think they tried to do this last year. I would try and just say, listen, we need to enforce this stuff. But I'm also a human being and I understand When the games get a little tighter and more meaningful, you're probably going to swallow your whistle. You and I can have a debate on whether that impacts the the game more than than calling the penalties because I I think there's a case there to be had. But if you really want to implement something and you want to get it out of the league, you need to probably call those penalties a lot more early on in the season and hope, and hope, that the players change their behavior once the end of the season comes around. I doubt that happens, but for me, that's the only way I would do it. And that's just kind of where I am with that. At Bolts Radio, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, you certainly can. What are your expectations for this trip coming up when it comes to the Lightning? 
Are you looking at the standings? Those are some things that we had talked about today. It does like Nick Perbix will be back in the lineup again, partner. And I know a lot mm-hmm. of people are kind of excited to see his growth and his performance. And I think we are too. I think it's another step in his progression, becoming a perhaps a top six defenseman for this team. And it's very early, but I actually think outside of the the, the bigger topic, which is how are you going to replace Ryan McDonough and Andre Palat this year and Jan Ruta to a lesser extent, the Nick Perbix potentially being in the top six is something I didn't see happening, and this story continues to develop. And if it does, I think that's one of the more intriguing storylines for the Lightning this year, to have a young defenseman come in, mm-hmm. not name Kyle Foote, and potentially be part of this team on the back end, a team who has high aspirations of not only getting to the playoffs but making another deep run i i think that is a a very cool storyline and if cole kepke can stay in the lineup too i I think having a couple of rookies in here is is going to be something i'm watching a little bit more than the standings let's put it that way early on i was trying to think the last time the lightning had we'll call it a homegrown defenseman get to the nhl and have the same kind of impact right off the bat. Not named Victor Hedman? Yeah, and, and the guy that comes obvious. to mind is Chernak. Now, Chernak was a higher pick than Perbix, and he had a full year in Syracuse before he came up, which was the next year. So, What about Radko Gudis? Well, that's before Chernak. You always say, okay. I'm just saying the last one. To, gotcha. So the it's been one. a few years. Gotcha. Gotcha. So... I'm actually gonna. I want to. I want to look up Chernak's exact games played and see that before I speak more about him. But they were both right-handed defensemen, right? Perbix was a sixth-round pick, and Chernak was a second-round second second pick. Round and of pick, course, right. the Lightning second-round pick by the Kings. Yeah, he yeah, came over right, the right. Bishop Kim deal. Right. So this is what's known on live radio is as killing time while I'm waiting for my slow computer. You know what? Our staff up. couldn't get right, to that so information. So the 17-18 season. I know. I know. Right. The 17-18 season was Chernak's first pro year. He spent the whole year in Syracuse, 71 games. The next year, he came up fairly early. There must have been an injury. This was the 62-win season. Gotcha. He played nine games in Syracuse, then came up. I remember when he came up, he had that wow factor. Different player than Perbix. Although Perbix, as Eric Arlinson wrote in his article today, has his hit on Kachuk that we talked about yesterday has been memorialized or captured in time on a T-shirt that they are selling. Some T-shirt company is selling it with a portion of the proceeds going to the Lightning Foundation. By the way, you think Kachuk's going to try and find <laughs> yeah. Perbix the next time they play? Hey, man, you want to dance? <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently he was chirping him. He was chirping him after that, and Perbix said it was it was fine. He said yeah, it was right, fun, right. but you know, I had said that what Perbix has shown is like beyond the hit, or almost independent of the hit. His decision making with the puck, his skating ability—that's why he's playing more. But but he had a good point because Eric asked him about this. He said, you know, that was the right. I said, I don't know who I was hitting, but it was the right play because if I don't if I don't hit him, he's by me. So part of this good decision making that we're seeing from him, the hit was part of that. Now it just happened to be a a thunderous hit in which Kachuk did momentarily lose his helmet. He went and picked it up after he lost it. But I would I would now amend my earlier statement. It was not like independent of his good play, but we'll include it as part of his good play because right. he made the right play. It was just worthy of a highlight that was captured in time and now as now is put on a on a t-shirt but i don't think anyone's going to confuse nick perbix in terms of his physical play with eric chernak that's that's kind of what i'm saying but the level of kind of buzz seeing this guy play i think is comparable now the lightning about other defensemen that have generated buzz but they aren't new to the nhl chernak when he came up was new to the nhl perbix is new to the NHL. The other part, too, is that when Chernak came up, he was 21. Perbix is 24. Right. And we mentioned that yesterday. So he he is older. He has more experience in terms, not more experience. 
he has more maturity in, in in that like he's older so he's grown into his body but like in the same article Coop made a really good point like at St. Cloud State he played one system that was the system he knew and from what Coop said the lightning system is different so he is both in Syracuse at the end of last year camp this year the little bit of time he had in Syracuse before he got called back up and now completely different system and it doesn't look like it slowed him up one iota. It's fun to watch. Love it when new players can come in and come in and make an impact. Mm-hmm. Not look overwhelmed. That's By right. The, he does not look overwhelmed. Which is good to see. I don't, I don't know if it's going to mean he's he's a top four defenseman down the road. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a situation. We'll take a look at, at what's happening. Now. And you mentioned Kepke. And let's not forget, Kepke had a big hit in the Islander game. He did. On Sashnikov that had an impact on Nick Paul scoring his goal. Yeah. By the way, first-round pick, Isaac Howard, speaking of cross-checking, I just saw this on Twitter two seconds ago. Matt Wellens. first-round pick. Yeah, first-round pick. He was uh, suspended two games. I guess he had a cross-checking major against Wisconsin on Saturday. College hockey, college hockey doesn't mess around. I was going to say, there's zero tolerance for that. Yeah, for fighting or any of that. No. Other stuff that would just be deemed like major penalty in the pro game, yeah. and you serve your major, and then that's it. I mean, I guess that's where you could start implementing that rule to have guys not use that stick mm-hmm. as more of a quote unquote weapon once they turn professional. Matt says, I only really look at the standings when take talking to friends over whose team is doing better. <laughs> yeah. Well, you well, need Matt, to be able to back up your arguments, right? You've been gloating more. <laughs> if you're a Lightning fan, you, you've, you've been able to win those arguments probably more times than not. So we, uh, we appreciate the response there. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us tonight or today. We've got a game tonight, Mish. 10.30, late one. At least mm-hmm. on this end. We will not have a last call, so it's just going to be the uh, post-game wrap-up after the game We'll have ends. a first call for me yeah. tomorrow. I'm going to be getting up and basically joining you on the air. You can have coffee? Will you have coffee? I'll right? have if you want to drink coffee. coffee on the road, you can. So the traffic in L.A., I don't know if it's the worst traffic in the United States. It's but the worst I would traffic. like to see a, a place that has worse traffic. So the Lightning are busing to their hotel in Newport Beach is where they're staying. Okay. We are staying. I'm part of the You're part of the group. team. So, You're yeah. part of the team. So we are staying in Newport Beach. And the one the one positive side to all of this is because it's a back-to-back, the Lightning, or even if it weren't a back-to-back, they'd be doing this. They are going right after the game, so it's going to be pretty late at night here. So the Will you get escorted? Not be as bad. Do you guys get escorted too? Not at that hour. Not at that hour. Okay. And, and because in L.A., we're staying right across the street like we're here. So if we were trying to get from downtown L.A. to Newport Beach at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I wouldn't say forget it, but it would take a while. It would take longer than it would take traveling in the middle of the night. But even still, it's like a good 45 minutes. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't think that. Mm-hmm. But this Southern California, like greater Los Angeles area is just, it's enormous. Like it sure. is... It would be like driving from my home in Brandon to beyond downtown St. Pete. Yeah. And actually, that doesn't even take that long now with the Crosstown. Like, you can get on the Crosstown. You can get to downtown St. Pete in, like, 25 minutes. So that's a bad example. I don't know what a good example would be. But it would be like traveling from one side of the bay to the other. Sure. To, to get from L.A. to Anaheim, and it would be worse if we were traveling in the middle of the day. So that's the one bright side, but the, the flip side is that whatever time we're going to arrive at the hotel, midnight, 1230 local, <laughs> that's not a long time before I'm joining you on the air tomorrow, my friend. So we'll just say it'll be like the first call tomorrow. Wonderful. And we'll recap the game. We will, and we've got the pregame skate show. Let's see. That'll be at 9.30. Correct, Steve? That'll be 9.30 with E. Eric That's correct. And Who's on with Eric? Is it Chief? Chief, yep. Chief back on the radio side. Yes. Yep. And How'd Kobe do the other night, by the way? He did great. Did oh, he, was great. he did yeah, great. He did great. I'm talking about with Eric. I know how he did with me. Which yeah, was, no, he did great he with did Eric, too. So. Great job. Mm-hmm. We, we have to get a... him on Power Lunch now. We will. Now that he's been fully integrated into Lightning Radio, we need to use him as a guest. Well, you can hear him on the block party. They've already talked to uh, Mikhail Sergachev and Anthony Sorelli. 
great this season, and uh, we're taping with Zach Bogosian tomorrow. All right, there you go. They're getting through the injured guys who have all the time. Well, they're the ones here in the back, world. They're back right? here. They're not in California. Yeah, I shouldn't say all the time in the world. Their rehab is quite extensive, but beautiful. Well, we'll talk today, boys, at nine thirty. That's when our coverage will start. E and Chief, and then I'll have the network pregame at ten. And Mish on the call at 10.30. We're going to enjoy it as we do. And then tomorrow, noon to 1, Eastern time, we will be recapping this game. Partner, great job, as always. We always appreciate it. Thank you. Talk to you tomorrow. All or right, tonight, I should say. I will Almost to tomorrow. Tonight. Yeah, I'll We'll be bumping up to tomorrow when we actually I don't speak. mind talking to you whenever you want to. That's what we're <laughs> going to do, basically, uh, the next 24 hours. Thanks to Steve Ersnick. Thanks to you for listening. Get those questions in. We always appreciate it. At Bolts Radio, I am Greg Lanelli. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.